Now, we are on this series entitled Mission Minded. And not just uh, the, the, the mission field, but, but being solidified in our mindset of what it means to be about the business of God. And we've been on this idea for three weeks. This is our third week in this series. And, and it's this idea of what would the church look like, not just this, but the overall, the broad church of Jesus Christ, if every individual who called themselves a believer truly had the plans of God as a priority on their life. That's, that's a big idea right there. What would it look like if we all laid it down? And our lives were fueled by the kingdom's desires for us. And our minds were consumed with the kingdom's desire for us. And what if the kingdom of God was being built by men and women who were willing to hear from God and then do for God? That's, that's what the Lord in this season, he is aligning the overall, the global church. You need to wake up in Jesus' name, amen and recognize the time and season that we are living in. Now, in the first week, we talked about this idea of not living for now, but realizing there is an eternity coming. That that is the greater portion of our existence, and that how we live right now determines not just how we live in eternity, but how others might make it to eternity, and how they will spend their eternity. And while culture tells us, live your best life now, the scripture says, live a good life now, but the best is yet to come. And then last week, we looked at this idea that God wants to, he has his plan, but he puts it in our hands. It's our work in the kingdom that brings the plans of God to its utmost fulfillment for our lives and for the earth. I want to challenge you that that you cannot live your life just for yourself, but that God calls us to live our lives for one another and then also to live it for the kingdom and to live it for the sake of the gospel. Amen. And I encourage you throughout this series to be taking notes, write it down on your phone. And the way you take notes in church, if that's new to you, is whatever sticks out to you, you write it down so that as you go forth in your week in prayer, because every believer should be reading their Bible and they should be praying during the week and the whole church says, Amen. Amen. Amen means so be it. So that means this week you're going to sit there and read your Bible and pray. Praise the Lord. You just said amen. And you don't lie in church. Amen. You shouldn't lie at all unless you're lying down. Praise God. That's a dad joke, but that's all right. But we should be in the word of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28, verse 18 down to 20, to some of the most familiar passages of scripture for people who have been in church. This is like a really familiar passage of scripture. And we know it as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Verse 18 from the ESV uh, version of the Bible, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as many of you know, I am a father of three beautiful girls. I am a very proud girl dad. And my, for the most part, my children, and I don't say this because they're my kids, but they're exceptionally well-behaved. My kids are, I've never gotten a complaint from a babysitter except one time uh, they told my daughter Aria to go to bed and she said to them, this is my dad's house and when he dies, it's going to be my house. So I think that you might have to listen to me. 
And so when the babysitter told me that, I said, I don't see a lie in what she said, but I see the problem in how she said it. I do recognize that. Kind of proud and kind of like, hey, you shouldn't kind of say that, but you get the idea of inheritance. This is good. But on a number of occasions, they'll be in their playroom, and although they have 67 Barbies, they have two Barbie dream houses, they have two kitchen sets, they find ways to fight over the same toy. I wish I had a witness there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They just want the one that the other one has at that moment, right then and there. It's, you know, it's all fun and games when you're your only child, right? Oh, he's so cute. That second one comes, they go crawling over and just grab it. And it's like, yo, she just took my doll. And so one day I hear an argument brewing. But my expert parenting, I just want them to problem solve for themselves. So I didn't jump in. Because I was watching, I think it was a basketball game. Very important stuff I was doing. And I was, you know, men know what I'm talking about. I was vegging out on the couch. And when I'm in veggie mode, I can't be of assistance. So Molly comes storming out, Dad, Aria and Emmy won't play with me. And everything I want, they keep on taking. And I was like, oh, that sounds horrible. It's like so bad. Life is so terrible. Like, this is terrible. You should go in there and tell them just to play nice. And she goes in there and tells them to play nice. Argument ensues. About five minutes later, now they're arguing, arguing. And I hear screaming and yelling. And Mala comes out and she's mad, stomping her feet. Dad, they won't listen. And they're taking my dolls. And I said to them, I said to Mala, listen up, church. I said, you tell your sisters that I said, if they don't act right, I'm going to pop them outside the head and they can go to bed for the night. I'm Puerto Rican, don't judge me. Some of y'all are like, oh no. Spare the rod, spoil the child, that's biblical. Some of your parents took it serious, they had the rod. <laughs> so Myla went from coming out like this to walking like this. Walked up in the, daddy said, if you don't, and delivered the message. But she walked with a different confidence because she had been given a different authority. Let me, let me continue this. I, I went the other day to the dealership, and, and I had an issue with my car because I didn't know it was making some sound. It was the first time ever in my life I had to go and tell them what sound it was making. It was awesome. What kind of sound is It's like a doom, doom, doom. They were like, oh, we know what that is, literally. I was like, oh, okay. So I go over there. I drop my car off, and the, the girl who's intaking my car, follow me here, she says, I'm going to put on here, on your paperwork, Walking as per Reuben. That doesn't mean much to y'all. That's okay. I'll get there. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't know why you got to make such a scene of that. And she's like, I'm putting it as per Reuben, telling everybody in the room. And I'm just like, okay. Finally, she made it such an emphasis again. I said to her, why are you saying as per Reuben? And she said, we're not allowed to take walk-ins anymore because it messes up all of our appointments. But because your brother is the manager of all these, these two dealerships, you get to come in here, I guess, and do a walk-in appointment. And I had a confidence, and I'm like, you darn right I do, so make sure my car is getting fixed, because my brother is the boss. I had a different, somebody say authority. authority. I had a different confidence because I had been sent there by my brother. He said, just show up Monday morning. My appointment wasn't on the books, but it was with the boss. I'm going somewhere. Yeah. Young men, 
Old man, when you approached a girl, you couldn't do it with some weak lines. You had to have confidence. You know how much confidence it took for me to tell my wife, Stephen, when I first met her, let me see your feet, please? <laughs> you got to be a real confident dude to be like, hey, everything else is checked out, car, job, you're, you're beautiful, you sing, you love God. And last thing, Matt, I got to see your feet. <laughs> Somebody say confidence. confidence. I travel a lot for my, old, my other job. I have a side job. I go all across the country. I work for the Billy Graham Association. And they've been a blessing to my life. And I just go to the airport, and I'm able to pull up my ticket because they already paid for everything. They already took care. I show up to the hotel, and I know there's a reservation. I go to Avis, and I don't even have to go talk to the people. I just walk to the car because they already set me who, you know, exactly what spot to go to. And I have a confidence because the price has been paid. I got a confidence. What would it look like if you had a confidence in the commission in your life. If you lived your life with a godly confidence that I have been sent here, God has endowed me with power. God has given me a purpose. God has done something in my life. And what he's done is given me such an authority that I don't have to walk with, you know, intrepidation into a situation, but I can be bold and I can be assured of what he says for me to do. Nobody can tell somebody anything who's confident. Some of y'all are thinking about some people in high school probably right now who are overly confident. Right? I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. That was the line back when I was in high school. And I was like, you you were deceived. (laughs) Deceived. (laughs) But confidence makes you more attractive. Nobody likes a barber who's like really just doesn't barely knows how to cut your hair. You better cut my hair. No one likes to deal with, you've been to a public speaking engagement where you watch somebody who is not confident stammer through their presentation. Confidence. Do you have a confidence that you've been sent? Now, in the, in the scripture that we just read, Jesus is talking to about 500 people. He's done died already. He's done resurrected. And now he is about to ascend into heaven. And he's talking to a group of 500 people, roughly, and it comes at the end of the the Gospel of Matthew. Remember, I said Matthew's Gospel was written for Jews, and a lot of it was giving this perspective of Jesus that he is the king. So is why it starts with the lineage of David. It walks us through the triumphal entry, and it does all these kingly things. And now the king is about to go on a long journey, and he's giving an edict. He's giving a a declaration to his followers, to his people, right? And Jesus is there, this universal king. He's emerged now as the king. And they're not fully understanding why or how this kingdom will come about. And he opens up his statement by saying this, because some of them were doubting. So he opens up this statement by saying, all power and all authority has been given to me. That's so good. Sometimes we just read over that. He says, all power and all authority has been given to me. This is important because in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel had prophesied that there would come a king who would have been given all power and all authority. His dominion would be forever and his kingdom would have no end. We find it in verse 14. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. In that moment, Jesus is fulfilling Old Testament scripture. He says, all authority and all power has been given to me. 
My father, here's what he's saying in, 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 in real, like our language. My father has entrusted everything into my hands. This is so good. He's already received the full inheritance. He has full access now. Usually when the father dies, the kid gets access, but the son died and got access. While on the earth, Jesus had some authority, but now he's got all authority. During the temptation of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Satan tries to give Jesus the kingdoms of the earth. He tries to get Jesus to get the kingdoms without the cross. He wants Jesus to get the glory of the earth without having the glory of heaven behind him. And Jesus refused. And he goes his father's way through obedience. And now he has all authority in heaven and on the earth. He says, I've been given all, somebody say all, all. authority in heaven and earth. And then he says, therefore, go. Therefore, because I have all this authority, you need to go and make disciples of all nations. He commands us to go into all the world and to make disciples. He's talking to those 500. But here's the great thing. This is a massive task. These 500, roughly 500 people could not go to the ends of the earth and actually you know, make a disciple of every person in the earth. So we realize that although he talked to those 500, this is a generational commission. It's for you, it's for me. So in case you were thinking, oh, that's for them, newsflash, it's for you. It's for me. He's called us to make disciples. Jesus understood this might take a few millennia, and here we are over 2,000 years later, and we ain't got the full job done yet. Jesus knew that they couldn't do it, but that he was speaking prophetically to the generations ahead. The Great Commission is a generational commissioning, one that is a universal command of Jesus because he had been given universal lordship. That means complete lordship. Here's point number one. A universal lordship demands a universal mission. He has this all-encompassing power and authority. Remind yourself, we're talking about how do we have the confidence then? How do we have a confidence that, he, that God has sent us? Well, the, the first way that we have a confidence is to know that he has all, all, complete lordship. And that demands a universal mission. You can't be the king of all the earth and only govern one area. You, you can't, you cannot, could you imagine if you had a home, and, and, but the, 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 the landlord said, yeah, 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 you're renting, but you can't go into that, that second bedroom, I'm still going to use it. Well, what are you talking, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I rented the entire apartment, yeah, but that one's off limits. We would call that foolishness, because the moment I signed the lease, I got the authority to go into any place in this, in this apartment, in this home. Jesus is the universal king. There is no place, doesn't matter what the government says, there is no place where you can't bring the kingdom with you. Oh, we don't allow prayer in schools. You don't allow prayer in schools, but I still pray in school. I prayed in school a lot. Jesus helped me pass this test. I did not study. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Interceding on the way to school, walking, Lord, you know, I, I'll be faithful next time, God, I'll study. Would you bring to remembrance, Lord, your word says the spirit will bring all things to remembrance. Could you help him bring this chemistry, Jesus? Y'all know what I'm talking about. What would it look like if we had a confidence in the lordship of Jesus? 
in the authority that he's given us? How can we not have a confidence when the king is backing us up? A multi-generational command from Jesus for for the generations of the church given to us by a king with universal lordship. Man, that's a big deal. If I'm going to be mission-minded, I have to be confident in what I'm doing, confident in my everyday walk with Christ, that no matter what interaction I have, that every interaction, right, that every interaction for the Lord is a moment that I can begin to sow something to somebody's life, that I can be a representative of Jesus. And he gives a three-part command. The first one is make disciples, meaning proclaim the gospel. Second, baptize them once they respond to the gospel, meaning fully baptizing them. Baptizing them being an outward declaration of an inward transformation. Third, to teach them. So you can't just bring somebody to church and watch them get baptized and be like, Quan, good job. You led me to church. You got baptized now. Now your job as a believer is to sow everything in your life into theirs. The issue with growth in the church spiritually is not that the pulpits aren't bringing a good enough word. It's that the people in the pews aren't storting the discipleship that God has put in their hands to give to other people. Sheep beget sheep. It's not the shepherd's job to multiply. Sheep beget sheep. You with me? If you bring somebody to this house and they get saved, it is your job to disciple them. It is your job to give them every, well, I don't feel equipped. Everything that you know, you give to them. And then when they outgrow that, they'll go somewhere else. You have to give them everything. Every person in the house of God is a discipler. If you bring somebody to church, check on them afterwards. Hey, God bless you. How was it? Is there anything I can explain to you? Can we talk? Can we meet for coffee? Can we go out? Jesus says, you got to teach them. He didn't say bring them to the church and leave them there. He said, disciple them. That's some ownership right there, y'all. That's some some serious stuff. Well, I don't feel confident because you're not walking in the authority. Well, how do I walk in the authority? By doing what it says. I used to be a store manager at CVS. Prior to that, I was an assistant manager. Prior to that, I was a photo lab supervisor. Prior to that, I was just a cashier and a photo guy. But every time I was escalated in my position, I had to change my perspective and my mindset. I couldn't keep doing things like the regular people are doing. I'm the manager now. I had to do managerial things. Now, when you're a believer, as you grow in God, you have to do different things. You have to have a different perspective. As you grow, you have to move forward. You with me? He's given you a command to lead, to baptize, right, and then to disciple them. You know what I'm going to start doing? If you bring them to church and they get saved, you're going to be in a baptism pool. You're going to baptize them. Then, then you disciple them. You lead them. Y'all saying, yeah, now, but when you bring somebody, I'm like, who brought you? Oh, Stephen brought me. Stephen, Water Wednesday. Let's go. I see you in the pool. Maybe that will help us to take ownership of who we're bringing to Christ. That's a great idea. I'm just saying. Some of I don't even know how to do this. Don't worry. It's easy. Just, mm. All right. I digress. I digress. This is important. Jesus says, go therefore. And this word therefore, not, not only is it a long word, right? But it's, it's a very important word. It's connecting two ideas. Here's the idea. It's connecting. Number one, the idea of I have all power. And number two, based on that power, I'm sending you. 
So not only do I have the power, I'm imparting the power to you. He says, because I have it, you can go. One of our big fears is what if I step up and God doesn't back me up? Right? If I start sharing my faith and being mission-minded, what if I mess up? Well, mess up then. Then it stops me from riding a bike. Then it stops me from doing other stuff. One of, the, one of the things that hold people back from going to the gym is not that you don't want to be sore and not that you, don't, you know you don't need it, is you don't want to look dumb at the gym. Oh, I wish I had a witness there. So you go, oh, I like going at 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning. It's, it's not because you're such an early bird. It's because you're embarrassed about how you look over there. Some of y'all are like, no, no, no. But we're worried about how people see us. Right? But when you get it right and you see the results, what does it matter? What if I do my part and God doesn't do his? That won't happen. Jesus addresses this. Here's a, here's a second reason for us to be confident. That when we go, the kingdom comes with us. That when we go, the kingdom comes with us. It, it's not something you leave at home. It's, you're going to DR, Sherry, right? You're going on a mission trip. The kingdom's going with you. It's, it's going to be with you. It's not something that you, if you're leaving it at home in the morning, we got a problem. It's with you. When you speak, the spirit backs you up. When you move, he says, go, therefore. He gave you a commission. He gave it to you. Are you going to follow it through? When I was a kid, I used to hate the fact that my father, he, he had these big cups, and he would, he would be in the attic in his office here. He'd be like, Felipe. And I'd run up and say, yes, dad. He said, would you give me some ice and some water? And now I had to go down all these flights of stairs. And then run all the way back. I was trying not to spill anything. But I was told to do something. And so I did it. Because I was, somebody say commissioned. When you, when you have a confidence, the results will be different. When you have a confidence, when you do it out of fear and with doubt, I think God's kind of talking to me. I'm kind of having a spiritual moment. Just say, you know what? The Lord wants me to tell you something real quick. And just run with it. Be confident because he's sending you. When we go, the kingdom comes with us. Right? It's a reality of the New Testament church that wherever they went, the kingdom showed up. The power of God showed up. From Peter to Paul, we see throughout the New Testament and the book of Acts, signs and wonders happening. We see the dead raised, broken bodies healed, demons cast out, unclean spirits dealt with. Why? Because as they went, the power came. And it came to a point where they had not gone, so God allowed persecution to come and, and actually take the whole church and scatter them because they had not gone. Because if left up to us, we won't go. But when suffering comes, we run to God. And now we're real spiritual. Man, I have been prayed up this week. Well, what bad happened to you last week? Or is it because you've been commissioned? They went and God and the kingdom went with them. We can walk in confidence because I have been sent. Touch the person next to you and tell them, be confident. Now, for some people here, and some people watching online, you're probably thinking to yourself, that's really good for you. <laughs> like, that sounds good, Matt, but, you know, pastor, that's great, but I'm just, that's not for me. That's not enough for me to, to actually go and do it. I'll be mission-minded in my prayer closet. You know, I'll pray for all these people, but I don't know if I'm going to reach out and do and bring and lead 
and disciple and equip. You see the harvest all around you, but your lips are bound by fear. We see the need, but we're not fruitful because we're fearful. And it's not because you don't love God. It's because you just don't want to feel embarrassed or left alone by God when you try to minister to somebody. And your fear is, is just one word, inadequate. I feel inadequate. I wish I had a witness there. Don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I measure up to what God wants me to do. Here's a newsflash. You might not know this. It's going to be really, really good. It's going to be revolutionary for your thoughts. God knows how inadequate you are. God is aware of your inabilities. As a matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say that God creates us with inabilities so that by his grace, he can empower us. Because if I had everything it took, I wouldn't need him. And so he allows us to have these inadequacies and deficiencies. And, and sometimes for y'all, it's a character issue. And sometimes it's just like, it's a constant attitude you struggle with. And he's like, I'm gonna leave that there for a little while longer. Because it's going to teach you something about yourself. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a worry. See, that's almost like awkward to watch sometimes. Seeing somebody who was so afraid to get to sing and it's like really shaky and everyone's like, yay. And it wasn't good at all. And it's like, why is everyone in this room lying? Like, that was terrible. Like, why are we celebrating? I wonder if sometimes when we lack that confidence in God, how that must look. And some people say, well, I tried, and that's it. And we go for the lowest hanging fruits. But in, in reality, we're afraid. We're, we feel inadequate. But that's not the worst thing in the world because all of Scripture is filled with people who felt and actually were inadequate. Like they were just not enough. They were unable. They were not qualified. God would choose them nonetheless. And God gave this consistent promise in the Old Testament. Consistent promise in the Old Testament to every person he chose. Do you know what it was? Exodus 3.12, God talking to Moses. He's telling Moses to go to Pharaoh, the strongest, like literally the strongest nation on the earth at the time. He said, I want you to tell him to release all of my slaves, all of my people, release them all. And here's how he tells Moses. This is God's hype game for Moses. This is his big one, you know, one-two punch of, yeah, go do this, Moses. He said, that being God, verse 12 of Exodus 3, I'll be with you. That's it? Could you send an army of angels too? He said, I'll be with you. But here's what he says, this shall be a sign that I have sent you. What's the sign? That I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. You see in Joshua 1.5, Joshua being told, don't be afraid, I am with you. We see Gideon being told in Judges 6, hey Gideon, don't worry, I will be with you. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I will be with you always. Here's the third reason why we can be confident in our commissioning. But I want you to walk out of here today filled with the Holy Spirit and confident, walking with the goodness and the mercy of God, confident. Here's why. Real simple, real simple. Because he promises his presence. It's the promise of his presence 
that wherever I go, he's not only with me, he's empowering me and he's sending me. He said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Like, we're not even there yet. We got some ways to go. This work that God desires for you to do, you can be confident in because you ain't by yourself. You are with him. He is with you. This is not just a commission. It's a commission. It's you and Jesus. It's, it's, it's bigger than just you. Not only is the power of the kingdom backing you up, the king himself is rolling with you. Now tell the person next to you, he's with me. He's with me. With that knowledge, with that presence, with that idea and identity, how can the body not have a confidence in this? We can talk all year about being mission-minded, but until you start doing it, it's just another hearing on Sunday, but not doing on Monday. You gotta have a godly confidence. A godly confidence that we've been called to equip, to leave, to disciple. You've been called. And this mission that's on God's heart, it's a really big deal. Because people are dying and going to hell and spending eternity apart from God, and very much so because the church has failed. Not this church, the global church has failed to be so focused on the heart of God and the will of God. We have to let our hearts be broken for what God cares for. You have to pray and seek the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, who am I supposed to be reaching out to? Is that your prayer in the morning? Lord, who am I supposed to be talking to today? I guarantee you what God's not going to say. He ain't going to say, Cindy, don't worry. You have today off. Like, it's just, he's not going to be like, hey, Jew, don't worry. I see you're really busy. There is no one I want you to reach today. And here's what that means. And this is, this is humbling and scary and sad, even for my own life at times, that if we live our life then never reaching anyone, then, then that means daily we miss the mark of being a true disciple of Jesus. And that's where the conviction comes. That, man, what am I doing to, well, I'm just being, I'm just being a light. I'm shining my light wherever I go. You know, I just be an example. What are you speaking to people? For how can they know unless someone proclaims the gospel to them? Come on, would you stand with me? I just want to pray over you guys really quickly. And then we're going to actually, in a moment, we're going to ask the BLI missions team that is going to Dominican Republic. We're going to pray over them, amen, and send them off. But would you bow your heads all across the sanctuary, all across the sanctuary? I have a simple question for you. Number one, is there anyone here who just doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to make that commitment today or you know God or you've walked away from faith and you haven't been walking the way you know you should? If that's you, would you do me the favor of lifting your hand as high as you can? I just want to pray for you right where you are. Thank you. I see you back there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Come on, three. Come on. Yeah. Thank you so much. You just know it's just not right in your heart. It's not well with your soul, but you're saying, Pastor, I want it to be well with my soul. Anybody else? Come on, every head, body, right, closed. Anybody else? Come on, just raise your hand as high as you can. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank you, thank you. I want to pray this prayer over everyone together. Repeat this with me, right? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to ask you right now for forgiveness of my sins. I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. I give you ownership of my life. 
Lead me. Guide me. Jesus, I accept you now. Come in and make me over. Come on, would you just put your hands together for Jesus right now? Come on, make us over today, God. Thank you, Lord. Here's another question. I want to pray with you again. Here's another question for you guys. Is there anyone in this room who knows that God has given you the the, the ministry of, of reconciliation, helping people reconcile to God, and you're supposed to be talking to people about the gospel, and you're supposed to be a faithful believer, discipling others, but you know you are missing the mark. If that's you, I want to pray over you. Would you lift your hand as high as you can if that's you? You know that you're living below what God has called you to do. This isn't about condemnation. It's about conviction, right? God telling us, hey, there's more for you. Come on. No shame here. You know it. You're just like, you know, I know that I am. I know I can do more. And I just want the Holy Spirit to just empower my life. Come on, thank you for your honesty. Thank you, thank you. If you're watching online, drop that in the comments. Hey, pastor, that's me. We want to pray with you. We have people standing by to pray with you. Come on, there's so many hands raised in this room. And here's the reality, that the enemy comes after all of us. But man, if we flip the switch, man, if we get this thing right, there's nothing that will stop a move of God happening in our state and in our region. So, Father God, I pray for every person whose hand is raised. And here's what I pray, God, a Holy Spirit boldness to come upon them. A Holy Spirit boldness. A confidence in the commissioning you've given us. A confidence. Forgive us for our apathy. Restore to us the joy of salvation and give us a boldness. Give us eyes to see this week every person you desire for us to reach and to speak to for your glory. Say this with me. Jesus, Jesus. use me me. this week. week. I give you permission permission to speak to me me. every every day about who you want me to reach. And strengthen me to obey. In your name I pray. Come on, somebody say amen.